0: Hello, everybody! Thank you for joining us. Another episode of the Evander Kane Show. Oh, I mean, sorry, dropping the gloves because we're back. Evander's back in the news. You know, it's been what a couple hours since uh, the last Evander Kane update, and uh, it's it's time. We haven't talked about him enough this year, and we're back. So, Tim, there's been a lot of progression from last episode to now. I was wrong. I'll, I'll admit that. I thought he couldn't sign. While well, he was filing a grievance with the San Jose Sharks via the NHLPA, but apparently he is free to sign, he is free to talk to teams, and via Elliot Friedman, and this is the part that really irks me. I'll, I'll let you get into the this, the whole meat and potatoes of the whole thing. According to Elliot Friedman, 20 teams, 20 teams contacted his agent. Now I, I'm not going to say whether that's right or wrong. I am no one's moral compass. I will just call it like I see it, and I know people don't like when I do this. Maybe I shouldn't be the judge, jury, executioner, but I'm allowed to, to voice my opinion. And I, I am a guy who just kind of bases my opinions on facts. I, I don't, um, I don't like guessing on things too much unless it's Ovechkin, then I love guessing. This is, this is the facts on Evander Kane. This is, this is the problems that I have with teams signing him. Is he a good hockey player? Yes. Will he make a difference on any team that he goes to? You're very, you better believe it. On the ice, he's a very, very good hockey player. Let's just do the laundry list of Evander Kane. The reason they eliminated his contract, canceled his contract now, the alleged trip to Vancouver while he was in COVID protocol. The fake vaccination card. Boom. Um, an ugly allegation laid and split with his wife, where she said he gambled on his team and gambled at hockey in general. She said he was a deadbeat dad, gambled, uh, not gambled, uh, didn't pay child support, uh, abuse, all, all this
1: other stuff. What's that, Tim? There was some abuse that she alleged, too.
0: Abused, alleged. Just a lot of stuff going on. It led to two separate investigations. Nothing really came of those. Before that, there was the loan shark debts. It was the bankruptcy court. It was a gambling addiction. It was putting immense stress on his teammates, the NHL, his family, all this stuff. And that is not even looking into just how bad he was in the locker room. So there was just all of this stuff that comes along with the Vander Kane. It's terrible, terrible stuff. And the fact that there's 20 NHL teams calling his agent, it's just, it depresses me. It's like, really, you guys? And then Ken Holland comes, I'm all into second chances. Really? This is the second chance for Evander? It's not the third or fourth or fifth? Like, give me a break. I don't know. It's just, at what point do we have to say enough is enough and just let this guy just maybe sweat it out a little bit? you know, maybe maybe make him think that he's not needed. Maybe make him change his ways just a little bit because judging from his comments, judging from his actions, judging from everything, the guy hasn't learned anything. He still thinks he can skate by on everything and just do whatever he wants. And this is only going to empower him even more. He's like, I got 20 teams vying for my attention. Boom, baby. I am untouchable. I am Teflon, Don. I can do whatever I want. And now I'm going to just go and join a Stanley Cup contending team. It's 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 concerning for me. I don't like it. I wish teams would have it a little more moral compass, but who am I to say? I'm just Joe Schmoe in Traverse City with a microphone. I'm not a GM for an NHL team trying to save my job and win a Stanley Cup, which brings us to the main meat and potatoes of this episode. He is a free agent, and his agent has been talking to Team Tim's, right, Tim? And there's been a lot of movement from Monday to now. So break it down what's happened and what are we dealing with right now? Because before we came on the air, you said, "Gosh, I wish Kane were to sign because be- it's so close." So what's happening, Tim?
1: Yeah, he'll probably sign as soon as we finish recording. That's usually how it works. So he's <laughs> um, last night there was a lot of movement, a lot of talk, a lot of chatter, and I thought it was going to happen at any point. And it was just like this one hour right at the end of the, at the end of the workday, basically. Um, where all these tweets kind of came out in rapid succession. I'm gonna read a couple of the, of the big ones. So 5.35 p.m. This is Eastern time last night. Pierre LeBron tweeted an update from agent from Evander Kane's agent Dan Milstein. Quote, We are interviewing with teams, almost done, contract by weekend. So that's yeah, that's that's from the agent himself. And that could be a little bit the agents are always playing a the game, they're always playing a little bit of of uh fronting and politics and everything like that. That could just be his way of saying, Hey, you guys better call because other teams are calling. Um, but but if it's from LeBron, then you can trust it. 548, 13 minutes later, Tim Peel, uh, former referee now works for Daily Faceoff. He, he tweeted out, quote, I'm hearing Evander Kane will be signing in the next few hours destination Edmonton Oilers. Mm. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. We are, you know, more than 12 hours later. But um, the Oilers seem to be the front runner for this. And they seem to be the one, you know, the the main destination where everyone thinks he's going to go. And we'll get to Ken Holland's comments in a minute. But then 630 last night, agent himself tweeted Dan Milstein, quote, still interviewing with teams, no contract in hand, salary not yet agreed, many details to be worked out, no travel plans over 48 hours. That was basically a response. There was some report that said the Oilers deal was basically done. I'm just waiting for the formal announcement. He had to clear the air and said, no, we're still talking to teams. There's still money being discussed. Uh, we don't have a contract in hand yet, so so nothing's happened yet. So that that all happened last night, and there's nothing new this morning other than, you know, these conversations are continuing. Um, and before we get to Ken Holland's statements with the press conference last night, John, any comment on, on those rapid fire of tweets there? You know, yeah. Uh...
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it is smoke and mirrors from the agent. I'm sure he's talking to teams. I'm sure he's trying to drum up some interest and get that dollar point to as high as he possibly can. But teams are, you know, <clears throat> there's blood in the water. Evander Kane is a wounded duck. They they know he's in a bad situation and he's going to have to sign for less than market value. So he's trying to drum up drum up money for Evander. Evander needs every penny he can get. So it is what it is. I don't... It, <sighs> Tim Peel being an insider is unbelievable. That That's a first. I like that. Him breaking the news. Our guy, Frank Saravelli. I thought he's usually the guy. I'm going to have to have a chat with him, but it's uh, I don't like it. it. I don't like it. It only makes perfect sense that the Edmonton Oilers are in the mix because they're an absolute free fall. They need something to shake up the roster. What did I say on Monday? If a team takes a a bite on this guy and takes a leap of faith, it's going to be a team who needs to shake up the roster. And I know there's 20 teams that are linked to him. Who knows if all that's true? But I doubt teams like Colorado and Carolina and Florida, even though they might have made some calls, are going to sign this guy just because there's too much at risk for those teams that have that many points and that tight-knit group of players. Edmonton's a train wreck right now. Everybody knows it. They are just grasping at straws to try to salvage this season. So it does make sense that they would be in the mix. And what did Ken Holland say yesterday? Whoa, this atrocious comment that he made. What a joke Ken Holland
1: is. Huh. Yeah, so he, he, he said a lot yesterday. The first thing about the second chances, and just that actually was taken a little bit, just a tiny bit out of context because <laughs> the question was, he was asked, quote, do you believe in second chances? And he responded with, I believe in second chances. Oh, okay. so That wasn't, wasn't him saying the like, because everyone knows this is not Evander's second chance um in fairness to him although he said a lot of other crazy stuff but he's he also said he's not going to fire the coach um I must have been asked about that but he's basically said like they've had eight coaches in the last decade like firing the coach is it only good just so far so um but he does believe that he's he, he admitted to talking to Kane's agent um and he several teams have stayed away because of all of this but um He's interested, and, and both him and the agent have said that they're in discussions, um, and the word is that Kane is just doing a ton of Zoom interviews with those teams in the last 24, 48 hours, so I, I would imagine that Ken Holland is, is, you know, usually when there's smoke, there's fire, and I believe maybe Tim Peel had the timing wrong, but I, I don't think that came from nowhere. I'm sure he's talked to a trustworthy source that said he's going to sign in Edmonton, so it sounds like Ken Holland and Evander are going to be shaking hands pretty soon. It's crazy. Isn't it nuts that he's going to end up in Edmonton? To me, that's just bizarre.
0: He is going to step in to a situation that's already a circus, like year in and year out. Edmonton's just nonstop drama. And he's just going to, he's the opposite of Tim Tebow where he's going to go in there. How do you think this marriage ends up? And, And we're speculating that he's going to sign, but Edmonton is in trouble. They've, What place are they now in the Pacific Division, Tip? The Pacific Division. What place are they in the Pacific Division, which is the worst division in hockey, by the way?
1: They are in sixth place in the Pacific Division. They have two wins in their last 10 games.
0: That is an amazing turn of events when they absolutely crushed the first 15 games of the season. And I myself, yours truly, said they might not lose more than 10 games all season. They have absolutely cratered They are in a free fall. They have no identity as a team. Everything that worked for them in the first 20 games of the season, the power play, the penalty kill, everything that was clicking, Connor McDavid was going to get 3,000 points. Everything is gone. Everything is broken. Nothing is working. Their goaltenders are just garbage. Their defense is terrible. Their offense can't score a goal. They've lost five in a row. They're a bad hockey team right now. They are a bad hockey team. There's nothing that's going to save them unless – Unless we get Vander Kane. What does he do to this team, Tim? I, I kind of mocked up some lines. He's going to play with Drian Sinel and Yamamoto, right? That's where I'm guessing. I don't think they're going to touch Hyman, McDavid, and Polviari once McDavid comes back. I like that line for them. Does he make that much of a difference on their lines right now? Right now, they got Warren Fogo. Uh, on the left side of Drian Seidel? How much of an upgrade is Kane to Fogle? And does this help their team that much? Is their issue right now scoring goals? Is their issue the offense? Or is this just an unnecessary addition and it's just going to end up blowing up in their face and be a bad PR move because he's not going to really change the outcome of their season, which is you're a bad defensive team, you have really bad goaltenders, and scoring goals is not really an issue for you guys.
1: Wouldn't it make more sense for them to go get, like, a Provorov, who just loves eating bucks and logging minutes and, like, solving actual problems that the team has rather than just getting another forward? We got Klingberg. We talked about it yesterday. Yeah. Or a Monday. Yeah. There's a
0: lot of good defensemen. Go get a Ben Sherratt. There's a lot of defensemen out there. But, no, we're going to go get a Vander Kane and just roll the dice and really, really throw an like, a bomb, like a grenade. You're lobbing a grenade into this locker room, and hopefully the pin's in it because the track record with Evander is the pins going to get pulled at some point. It's just a matter of if, because it's It's a matter of when, not if, because it will get pulled and he will lose his marbles. If he doesn't get the puck from John Seidel, if he doesn't get his cookies, something will happen in that locker room. And Evander just going to lose his marbles. It's happened in Atlanta. It happened in Winnipeg. It happened in San Jose. None of his former teammates have anything good to say about him. None of them. I know there's one, Mario Ferraro said he liked his hair, so there's that, or he said something, but for the majority, 99%, not a good thing, not a bad thing to say about the guy, but nothing good to say about him, which speaks volumes when you say, oh, how's that guy? And you just go, you know what? Yeah, he's, you know, he's pretty good on the ice that right there it speaks volumes. And that's all I got from talking to his former teammates. They wouldn't out and out bad, bad mouth him just because, you know, most guys are kind of nice like that, but they don't say much good things about him. What are you, what are you saying to him? Uh, we, we heard that he talks a lot too. That was another thing they said. He talks a lot. Nobody likes the guy a guy who talks lot. a lot. That's why they don't like me. I talk too much too. All right. But you, so where does he, where does he land on Edmonton? Is this just move the needle?
1: Well, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, he's he's a great player on the ice. It brings a lot. And, yeah. and that, I mean, that will help. That would help any team on the ice. And another thing the Oilers have struggled with is toughness and pre- specifically a guy standing up for McDavid and McDysettel getting pushed around a little bit. They don't really have an answer. If they do have an answer in the lineup, it's not when McDavid's on the ice. I don't have a guy in the top six forwards that can protect him, that can stand up for him in those scrums, and he's getting pushed around. And you can see that as talented as the Oilers are, they're not a hard team to play against. So I think Evander would help with that a little bit um, because he'll drop the gloves of just about anybody except for Revo. And he'll, he'll, you know, stand up for McDavid. And he's a guy that, you know, he's, he brings a lot of toughness and a lot of grit, but I I also think it's interesting too, that he's, he basically, he was, he's had these issues his whole career. So I don't want to blame it on this one situation, but I don't think it's a coincidence that it got worse and worse in the Sharks after Pavelski and Thornton and Marlowe left the leadership the old the old guard is gone. There's no one there keeping him in check. There's no one there maybe putting him down. The, the, the leadership in in the Oilers is 25 years old. You know what I mean? And they're not strong personalities. There's no who's gonna keep him in check? The only one
0: who could potentially stand up to him is Duncan Keith. He's the only one who has that, and maybe Mike Smith, the goaltender. Those are the only Ca- two Cassian? No, I don't think Cassian has enough skill to stand up to him. It's hard to be an authoritative figure on a hockey team when you're not one of the elite players. That's just how it goes. It's There's a pecking order. It's even like that with the wives, which is funny. The wives of the captains or the guys who make the most money are usually the most influential, powerful wives, even if they're just like terrible women. It's just funny how it works like that. And it's the same in the locker room. If you're a third, fourth line guy, you don't have much voice in the locker room just because you're not one of the most skilled guys. So like it or not, this falls on Darnell Nurse, Falls on 29, it falls on 97, and potentially Duncan Keith. And I'm I'm telling you, if, if there's one guy, it's Mike Smith. I play with him in Arizona. He has a large voice, he's a tall, imposing figure. He's like six foot five, six foot six. If there's one person who can set him in his ways, I do think it's Mike Smith. Dunks isn't that talkative. He kind of is more of a hey, he gets in there and then he pulls away. He's not a consistent presence. He just kind of boils up, and he explodes, and he backs off. Mike Smith is a consistent presence. If he can kind of just get on him and like take him under his wing and really just calm Evander down, because I don't think Evander is going to go in there and just really try to ruffle feathers, but he's got a personality. We saw it in his interview with ESPN. We saw it anytime he does an interview. He's a cocky son of a gun. Like he he doesn't take responsibility for anything. He really thinks he's God's gift to hockey and to us, which is further furthest from the truth. So uh, McDavid's not going to do it. Dronen not going to do it. Nurse is not going to do it. It's going to have to be those two guys. I don't see anybody else on this roster who even will have a chance to just step up and put this guy in his place, if he needs to be put in his place, which hopefully he doesn't come to that. Hopefully he comes in, he slides in seamlessly, but Like I said, his track record speaks for itself. I don't see this ending well. The only way this ends well, and it's a high likelihood of this, is Evander, he just wants to get a good contract next year. Whatever he signs with Edmonton, I think it'll be a one-year deal because he's going to want to sign a bigger ticket after this season, and he's going to want to make a good impression. So, man, I'm excited to see what the numbers come back with. They don't have much cap space, if any at all. They're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to send a few guys down to the AHL. And it'll affect their team. It'll affect their trade deadline acquisitions. This will be a big issue for the Oilers moving forward. So they're going all in on the offense. They're going all in on just the first two lines. And they're going to roll with it, man. They're not going to get any more help on the back end. Maybe they pick up a veteran goaltender, a Braden Holpe, like you said, a Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe. You know, they give up a draft pick, try to get him. But... <sighs> and they're sixth place. And they have he hasn't signed with Edmonton yet, but boy, if they get him, this is such a big mistake for the Oilers. It's such a huge mistake. I don't like it. I really, really don't like it. Do you like this? Is this a good landing spot for Kane with the Oilers?
1: No, I, I think. I mean, no. But then again, what do they have to lose at this point? You know, maybe he's maybe he's just the right spark. Maybe he shuts up. Maybe he produces on the ice and puts a, a few goals in the net, and all of a sudden they start climbing the standings again. Like, right now they're on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. So I, I wonder, like, what does he look like on a team? Like, we've, we've heard that Tampa, Carolina, Colorado, they're all knocking the door. They're making the call. You know, the flip side of that argument is, like, they have a strong locker room. They have a strong core. Maybe they're more equipped. They have the leadership to deal with an Evander. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I also thought it was interesting. I re- I was reading an article. I think it was uh, gosh, I forget thirty two thoughts. But um, Florida doesn't really want him, but they're making the call because they want to make sure that Tampa doesn't get him. So they'll if Tampa makes a serious offer, Florida's going to step up on that. But other than that, I don't think he goes to Florida, which is kind of I funny. don't.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere near those teams. Carolina, no, Florida, no, Tampa Bay, no. And the good thing is the Oilers don't play for a while. Their next three games are postponed because they're in Canada. The Stupid COVID regulations. They can't have fans. So they're waiting for the gates to open up to let fans in the rink. So they, if he does go to Edmonton, just say he goes today. He's got a couple days off. Maybe he can get back and play with Ottawa on Saturday. But gosh. Then they have a bunch of more games postponed. This COVID thing stinks, but yeah. Do the Edmonton Oilers make the playoffs if they get a Vander Kane? Yes or no?
1: Um no.
0: I think they do. I think they do. Just because they're in the Pacific division, that division is terrible. I think they will catch a team ahead of them. Who's ahead of them right now? It's uh, they got San Jose ahead of them, Calgary ahead of them, LA ahead of them. So I do think they'll make up some ground and catch those three teams. They'll end up in third place in the Pacific. Gosh, Calgary and Edmonton are just both just free fall. It's amazing that LA and San Jose have leapfrogged both of those teams. All right, let's I, move on. I don't know. Do you want to touch on this a little more?
1: No, I'm just, I'm just commenting. I can't believe that Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, are, and Vancouver all out of the playoff spot, which is just crazy. It is not crazy. to mention Montreal. The,
0: the Canadian teams, I think it was 2 or 3 years ago there was only one Canadian team that made the playoffs and that was the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we've reverted back to that where there's just nobody who's good. Toronto, we'll touch on them in a little bit. They they won last night but it was a not a very convincing win. All right, let's move on to another guy who signed or who sorry, Kane hasn't signed yet. He's probably inking right now as soon as the con- our podcast's done he's going to release it. But Tukaraska's is back. He signed a one-year, $1 million contract. They just sent <clears throat> Swayman down to the, the minors to Providence. He's been struggling of late, but still a very good goaltender. What does this do, Tim? You're, we'll touch on this very briefly. You're a Boston insider. Bruins have been playing very, very, very good lately. They've been beating some good teams. Are you excited for Tuca to come back? Does this just vault them into the Stanley Cup contender pitcher, or are they still a few players away?
1: Uh, I think there's still a few players away, but this does make them better. Um, and it's really interesting to see, like, you know, obviously, Swayman got sent down last night as soon as the news was made official. And now we will have to see, like, how the playing time plays out. Because uh, Allmark is still there. Will they split 50 50? Is Rask the guy now? Is Allmark the guy? And they're going to ease Rask in. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, like, what, what that looks like. But I think, you know, all accounts, Rask is looking good. Um, and obviously he's been a, an elite goaltender for a decade now. Um, so I think I think the, the Swayman thing down in Providence feels like a temporary, Fixed. It feels like, hey, this is just a cap reality. We got to figure this out, but go get some more seasoning, and that's okay. Like he's still a young goal goal goaltender. This is only his first full season. People forget Tuga got sent up and down like twenty times the first season of his career. He did just fine, so I'm not too worried about you know Swayman's progression. I think you know some some fans are clamoring about that and his confidence, whatever. He'll be fine. And you can actually – a really cool note, too, is um, when Sweeney told Swayman he was being sent down, Sweeney was telling this in a press conference. He said, Swayman just stared at me and said, well, if those two guys struggle, do I get the net? And that's exactly what you want to hear. So that's, that's cool. I think Swayman's head's in the right place. Um, you mentioned a little bit that he's struggling lately, and he's, he's played okay lately. The thing The place he struggles is against the playoff teams. Like the really good teams – He's beating the Buffalo Sabres, he's beating the Devils, he's beating the Islanders, but against the playoff teams he's actually 1-5 and 1, um, which says a lot. So I think they got nervous about maybe trusting him in the playoffs and Mark is sort of use what you get, what you see is what you get. He's a good goaltender, he's not going to be carry, so I think in summary, I think this is this does help the team, this makes them better. I don't feel like we've seen what the permanent solution into the playoffs looks like yet. Um, But right now it's exciting for the Bruins fans.
0: I like the way they're built. and, And I think you nailed it. A backup goaltender generally only sees the bad teams. If you go on a road trip and you're playing Florida, Carolina, Dallas, the backup's going to see Dallas. And the starter's going to say see Florida and Carolina. So that's why their numbers are usually inflated. That's why they get a lot of wins, because they play the dumpier teams. Like you said, they, well, you're going to play Ottawa, then you're going to sit for four days, and you're going to play Buffalo, then you're going to sit for three days, and you're we're going to throw you in versus Chicago. It's like, great, I'm going to get three wins. I'm not going to get many high-scoring chances against, and I'm going to get uh, my, my stats padded. So that's obvious, but I like Boston. I really, really like this team. They need to make a move for their back end. If they get something for their back end to kind of maneuver Mike Riley and maybe push him down to the third D pairing, and you can have Riley and John Moore for the third D pairing and get a guy to play with Brandon Carlo, they got a pretty good team, Tim. I like their first and second line. I like their third line with Charlie Coyle centering Frederick and Steen. And then their fourth line is just a, who's it's, it's a, whatever they work hard, they get the job done. They don't give up goals. They don't score many goals. Curtis Lazar is not a bad fourth line center. So if they can make a move and get a defenseman somehow get a Klingberg, I don't think they have enough assets to get that type of a defenseman, but if he doesn't go, you get somebody else. I, w- I would be, you know, a little uh, apprehensive if I were playing Boston in the first round.
1: I think you should be. And I think, uh, like, John Moore actually isn't even a starter on this team. They've got some injuries with um, Connor Clifton is out. Um, McAvoy has been in and out. He returned the other night. Um, but I think, really, like, I, I would love to see someone to play in the first line with McAvoy for first deep pair. You got Grizzly and Carlo as number two, and then some combination of Moore, Riley, um, Clifton, and Forbert on the on the last pairing. But I don't know if it's going to happen. They really put their money with Forbert's basket. So, um and as far as like, you know, how the goalie situation plays out, you you see how tuka plays, you see how mark plays down the stretch, you know, at some point in the next month or so before the trade deadline, there's going to be a team who's desperate for a goalie. Someone's going to go down, someone's going to get hurt, someone's going to slump and someone's going to want a goalie at the trade deadline and the Bruins are one of the only teams that have a goalie to spare. mark ideally is that person. If if we if if Ras plays the way that we know he can, and to say, I'm making a scenario up, let's say Markstrom goes down and they're looking for a goalie, Allmark is going to be like the, the, you know, the bell of the ball at the trade deadline. So I think, I think it'll be interesting. and I think the Bruins will be patient to see how this plays out and make the right move at the right time.
0: Yeah, that's a pie in the sky. I, I don't think anyone's going to take an Allmark up the Bruins' hands, but that would be the ideal situation. But yeah, the Bruins are good, Tim. I think this is nice. And if you can somehow get your boy to come over Krejci from overseas and maybe swallow his pride a little bit, slot him in on the third-line center. Imagine, do you think he would ever come back and play third-line center? Not a chance. He wants to play with pasta. Everybody knows it. If he doesn't play with pasta, he's not coming back. He's already made that abundantly clear with his foreign interviews. But I like Bruins. If if they can manage to stay healthy, keep those three guys healthy, pasta, Marshawn, Bergeron. If Tuka comes back, he's the big question mark. I don't think they can win with Allmark or Swayman in the playoffs. I really don't. I like Allmark. I don't think he's got it. I I haven't seen enough of him to put trust in him for the playoff run. Swayman's too young. I need to see more from him. If Tuka can come back and be the guy that he was for their whole runs to the playoffs, when he lost to Vancouver, all this, when he was just the guy for Boston, if he can be that guy, I'm telling you, Boston's right in the mix. They're going to play some hard teams coming down the stretch. It'll be a tough sled to get to the finals, but I, I would not count out the Bruins. I really, really wouldn't. I like the Boston Bruins. You know what? I also wouldn't count out. If I'm in Boston, I am getting a donut. I am getting some chowder. I am getting myself some pasta from the North end and I'm going to do it all from the comfort of my hotel. Tim, do you know why? Cause I'm going to order DoorDash and it's going to be delicious. My donut's going to be crispy and soft. My chowder is going to be piping hot, and my pasta is going to be perfectly cooked al dente because DoorDash gets it to you quick, baby. They get it to you when you want it and how you want it, and they get it to you fast. And if you're our listener, you get oodles and oodles of benefits just for listening to this podcast. You get 25% off your first order. You get free delivery. It's a beautiful deal just for listening to this show. So go to DoorDash. Use your app. Use your phone. Use your iPad. Go on the computer. Enter promo codes. Code Gloves DD if you're in Canada. Gloves DD US if you're in the United States of America. And get yourself some food. It's a good company. I like them. Tim likes them. You guys should like them. So use them. Helps us out. DoorDash. Ding dong. All right. There's some signings. There's some big games that have happened. We had a return, Tim. A much anticipated return. Who was it? There's been a couple guys that have returned lately, and I want to touch on both of them and ask you who has a bigger impact on the team. Both teams are Stanley Cup contenders. Which one is going to be more of an impact for the team? Let's let's talk about the first one.
1: Yeah, the first one was Evgeny Malkin. Returned last night after getting surgery in the offseason. He hasn't played. He said it was the longest stretch of his career that he wasn't able to play in the game. So he was absolutely thrilled to be back. He had two goals and an assist. He said after the game, something along the lines of like, you know what, we won, scored a couple of goals. I'm just over the moon right now. Penguins look good. They win yet again. And I, I thought it was an interesting stat. I, I, it really surprised me. So this is the 16th season in a row that the Crosby Malkin and Chris Letang have played together. That's the most by a trio in the entire history of the league, which blew my mind. I would have thought maybe the Red Wings, you know, or the old franchises, the old dynasties would have had a longer group, but this is, they set an NHL record last night, which is kind of crazy. For
0: 16 consecutive seasons, three players have been on the same team. Yep. That's a long time. So he had a good debut. Let's talk about another guy who just debuted, Nikita Kucherov. He comes back to Tampa Bay. He played the first couple of games of the season, played well, put up some points, four points in his first game. Then he gets injured. He comes back. Everybody always colluding. He's going to avoid the salary cap. They're doing it again. He comes back. He's played three games, gets two assists his first game, gets blanked by Boston in the second game, wakes up versus Buffalo, three goals, hat trick, looks unbelievable. Looks like he has never missed a game like he always does. This guy, I don't know how he does it. He takes years off. Then he comes back in his first game. He's the best player on the ice. He did it last year, two years ago in the playoffs or last year in the playoffs. I can't remember. He's hurt all the time. Which guy makes a bigger impact on their team? Both teams win without Malkin and Kucherov. So they're very good without them. Which team is better with their one guy? They're both high impact players. They both are just superstars. Tim, do you have an answer, or is it just like they're both too good
1: for their teams? I mean, how do you really pick? But if I have to pick, I'm picking Kucherov. Just the the younger player, the less injury prone. I mean, they both are, but Malkin's had issues his entire his entire career. And Kucherov, you saw what he does in the playoffs. Like he's the best player in the world in the off in the postseason. So I think Kucherov, if I have to pick one, but both of these guys, both of these teams are rolling already, and to bring back some of the best players in the world right to the top six, I think it's just. Uh, is the rich getting richer?
0: You know, I, I'm going to disagree. I, I, Kucherov is the better player. I'll say that. He, he does more. He's more dynamic. But I think when you're tr- strictly speaking, can Tampa Bay win the cup without Kucherov? I think they can. I think they have the talent. I think they have the depth to win the Stanley Cup without uh, Nikita Kucherov. Can Pittsburgh win the Stanley Cup without yevgeny Malkin? I don't know. There's there's a question mark there. Yes, they can have maybe a couple good series and maybe put a scare in somebody, a Florida or a Carolina or even a Tampa Bay. I don't think they can win the Stanley Cup with the, without Evgeny Malkin. All of a sudden, you put him, you slot him into second-line center. You surround him with Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen. You got Crosby on the first line with Gensel and Rodriguez. You have a very, very dangerous line that's not even including you're going to get back Jason Zucker. You got Brendan Rust, Rust coming back. You have a lot of pieces. Danton Heinen was out with COVID last game and they still looked really, really strong. With the addition of Malkin, it just makes every single line better. I don't think Kucherov has that same effect in Tampa Bay. I think he is an addition, an upgrade, obviously, on the wing for the first line. I just think Malkin just makes Pittsburgh so much more dangerous. You can't focus on Crosby. You can't just throw your, all your defensive gems against that first line, because that's what happens in the playoffs. You game plan versus the line and you just eliminate them. Now you can't do that with Pittsburgh. If you eliminate the first line, guess what? You're going to have Malkin Carter and Kapanen coming down and they're going to tear you apart. And that's what happened last game. So I think they're both great players, but I think Malkin man, much like Boston, do you want to wake up and all of a sudden you're a New York Rangers And you're like, gosh, I got to play the Pittsburgh Penguins first round. This is not something I want to do. Or you're the Carolina Hurricanes. I got to play the Penguins first round. This is scary stuff. This is like real-life stuff, Tim. This is where I'm a team. I'm like, do I want to start losing games so I don't have to match up against these guys in the playoffs? Because it's going to be, oof, that Eastern Conference, the Metropolitan Division, is going to be fun in the first round. It's going to be very, very fun to watch those first rounds because it's going to, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Rangers, Carolina. Any one of those teams could win the Stanley Cup. Minus Washington, I honestly think they might fall out of the playoffs. But that's a whole other conversation for another show. But uh, those it? three, those three top teams are dangerous teams. What was your
1: Malkin story? Did he throw like a reverse hit on you or something?
0: Oh, he—he's a moose. So I had him lined up, like just abs. I'm going to smoke this guy. He peeked over his shoulder. And just, it doesn't take much, just a reverse check caught me. I went down and it wasn't like I just fell. My hands went over my head and my sticks slapped the ice. So it was just so dramatic. We were in the igloo. The fans went nuts. I picked myself up, got my ego, went back to the bench. And luckily I had a chance to line them up a few shifts later. And I did. And I knocked them down. No one cheered for that. But yeah, there's a couple of hits I remember in my career that were, there was that one. The same type of hit happened to me. It was um, Vladimir Sabatka in St. Louis. I tried to line him up, center ice, reverse hit, just buried me. And another hit was I was with the Wild, and I think someone caught me. We were playing in New York with the Islanders, and someone just buried me from the side. I think it was... Casey Sazikas or something, but yeah, just some little guy just really buried me. Those three hits I, I remember to this day, and all three of them just like, gosh, big, big guys don't get knocked down very often, and when it when it happens, it's not very, very fun. All right, a couple more quick hits. We got Malkin, we got Kucherov, another returning hockey player, very exciting, Jack Eichel, Tim, skated with the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time. What are you, what are you hearing about this?
1: Yeah, he's gay in a non-contact jersey, but um, back in the eyes pretty quickly, you know, this is really the, the shorter end of that time frame. But what was more interesting was that his quote after he said at the press conference, <laughs> it's actually crazy. He goes, I was sitting there and I was pinching myself a few times during the rehab process, just being like, I went through all that for this. It's pretty straightforward. I had surgery. I went out for dinner with my parents that same night. Man, talk about some shade. Talk about how bad Buffalo looks. They drew on and on and on. The saga went on for months. And I goes, like, this is what I was holding out for. Like, this is no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm skating a few weeks later. It's fine. I'm going to be back in the playoffs. I'm going to be a monster. Like, let's go.
0: A same day surgery where literally you're going in. Let me open up your neck. Boop, boop. Done. Out the door. Dinner that night with his parents. If you're Kevin Adams and you see this quote, You must just be staring at the wall and just... You know the song? Hello, darkness, my old friend. That is just playing over and over in your head, and you're just like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's going to get healthy, and he's just going to be the best player on the planet. I'm going to look like a complete turd because I got Alex Tuck, some Cribs guy in a first-round draft pick, which is going to end up being like the 23rd overall pick. And I'm going to get nothing for Jack Eichel, and he's going to turn into a Hall of Fame player, and just have Stanley Cups all over his room. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And it's just never going to end because you're going to see highlights after highlights, and it's going to be, who won this trade? Buffalo Sabres edition. Jack Eichel gets fleeced, stolen away from Buffalo because they wouldn't let him have a surgery that obviously is very non-invasive and worked. He's playing hockey. He's skating. Nothing bad has happened to him. Tyler Johnson had the same surgery not too long after that. So maybe maybe Jack Eichel's a pioneer. Looks like it. Tyler Johnson looks like he's going to be fully recovered and back on the ice soon. Ugh, the Buffalo Sabres cannot catch a break. They really can't. They keep losing hockey games. They have no good prospects in their system. They have nothing to look forward to. They're an absolute disaster of a franchise, even though they have all the best intentions. That's, that's the thing that sets them apart from an Ottawa or an Arizona or other teams that are floundering. Buffalo does put a bunch of money into the team. They go out and they spend and they try to find guys and they entice players to come there. They go and get a Taylor Hall. They go and get an Eric Stahl. They go and get a Jeff Skinner. They go and make big trades. They get, they try to win that. That's the thing that even stings even more. They just can't do it. All these other franchises don't do that. They just, they have just, you know, we're going to be bad. It is what it is. We're going to take a bad contract. We're going to give away all our good players. Buffalo's like, no, no, no. We want to win. We want to win. We just can't do it. We cannot figure it out. It's insane how bad they've been for the last decade, but this just even hurts even more. Jack Eichel's going to come back. My prediction at the beginning of the season, Jack Eichel will play before Evander Kane. I don't know. It's going to come down to the wire. I bet you they'll be weeks apart. I think Evander might get on the ice first, but Eichel's not too far behind. They say he's projected. February that's his first game. February range. I know February's a not a long month, 28 days, but he will play a game in February. That's where he's projected. Do you think it's going to be the first week or the last week, somewhere in the middle? I don't care where it is. I'm excited to see how he gels with this team because they are winning hockey games. They are are they first place in the Pacific? Yep. They are, and they don't even have their best player, and Pateretti's been out, and Stone's been out. Just wait till they get these three guys on the ice together. Oh, oh, start planning the parade. Plan the parade, baby. It's gonna go right down the strip. And I'm I'm not gonna be there because my wife won't let me. But it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be very, very fun to watch. They got the goal pending and they got the defense, they got the centerman, they have everything in place to be a very scary team for a long time. Every Colorado's right there with them. But boy, oh boy, if you can get Eichel, you can get Stone, Pat Charetti, Stowe, Stevenson. Oh, Tim, this team is like dangerously good. Are you not excited about this team like I am?
1: I am. I am. You mentioned Shay Theodore is out too. He's got an injury. So, or maybe it's COVID, but yeah, he's, uh, when these guys are healthy, they're already the best team in their division. They're already a the top, you know, whatever, five team in the league. They are going to be dangerous. Dangerous. Speaking about the Knights, they did
0: lose last night to the Toronto Maple Leafs, or as I like to call them, Toronto make me laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Just kidding. They lost in overtime. What was a little concerning for me if I'm a Leafs fan, which I'm not, they've been giving up a lot of shots lately. A lot of shots to very good teams who they will have to play in the playoffs if they want to progress to the Stanley Cup finals. Namely, the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. They played the Avalanche a couple of days ago, got badly outshot 49 to 27, lost. One last night in overtime, badly outshot again, 34 to 18. Only 18 shots. That's a very, very bad. Big deal to me. If I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I want to have zone time. I want to have puck control. I want to see tons of pucks at the net. I want to be pressure, 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 pressure. And when I don't see that, and I see that is happening to me the opposite way, I'm starting to get a little nervous. I know they've only lost eight games this year. I know they're having a great season. Are they relying too much on Jack Campbell right now? I think they are. I think they're maybe getting a little too complacent. If I'm Toronto and Kyle Dubas, I am very, very nervous, and I am calling GMs right now to try to get defensemen to come to my team because I don't like the trend that's happening. Even though we're winning, even though we're competitive, we're doing that because when they do get a chance, they have absolute snipers. They have guys who can put the puck in the net, Willie Nylander, John Tavares, Austin Matthews. Those guys know how to score goals. When it comes to the playoffs, the chances go away, and you have to learn how to generate goals. You have to generate offense, create offense. How do you do that? Low to high, pucks at the net pucks at the net get rebounds dirty goals that's how you win playoff games right now they are not doing that they're not getting any pucks to the net they are not making it hard on the other teams defensively they are going down they're scoring off the rush and they're I don't want to say getting lucky but that's how they're scoring their goals in the playoffs those chances go away and if we're looking towards the main goal here winning Stanley Cups I don't like where Toronto's at right now I really don't you look at these other teams the Rangers the the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, they can go. They can generate offense. They have amazing, amazing control in the offensive zone. They're getting shots. They're getting the rebounds. They're doing this and that. They're creating havoc in the offensive zone for the other team. So
1: I don't know. If, if the playoffs start today, they play Boston. Who wins that matchup? Boston. Boston. Boston does.
0: And which, which is not even me being a Leaf hater. I honestly believe Boston at this point has a better team that is built for the playoffs. If Tuca can come back and be Tuca that he was three years ago, that's an easy pick for me. I think they rely too much on Jack Campbell. That guy has been unbelievable this year. He is unequivocally their, their MVP and he potentially could be a Vesna candidate right now. He's just been playing so well. You watched that game last night versus Vegas. They have no business even going to overtime. Campbell made some highlight real saves to get them to overtime. It's just uh man. I don't know. Yeah. If they match up against Boston, they win. If they match up against any other team in their division at this point, I don't think they get out of the first round. I don't know. I, that's just me. If they play Tampa Bay in the first round, if they play Florida in the first round, they lose to all of those teams in the first round at this point in the season. Maybe they go out and they add a piece, the Klingberg, a Chariot, some other defenseman. They need some help on the back end because right now They're just hemorrhaging chances. They look like they're in a turnstile in defensive zone. They're just turning, turning, turning. Morgan Riley cannot be your number one defenseman if you're shutting teams down. Jake Muzzin has lost a step. Justin Hall does not look good night in and night out. He turns the puck over. He gets beat wide. He's just not, I know, I thought he would be a good defenseman. He just, he hasn't turned into the guy that I hoped he would be. So they need to go out and they need to get another piece in the back. end if they want to be a really legitimate Stanley Cup contender, I'm telling you, Tim, they need
1: to. Did you see what Detroit did last night?
0: Yes. It's like the old boys club. He's back. Nick Lidstrom. He's, he's helped. Yeah, I don't care. Who cares? What does a VP of hockey ops do? I know. I don't care.
1: <laughs> I have no idea, but Nick Lidstrom, he's my, maybe my all-time favorite player. And it's cool too, because um, most cider was asked about it. He, he had no idea they were bringing him in. He was like, yeah, this is great. Like I'm going to, I, I want to learn a lot from him and, Everyone's really excited that he's back. So I think he'll, he'll help the young kids for sure, especially the, the guys like Cider on the back end.
0: No, he won't. No, he won't. He won't be on the ice at all with the players, maybe once or twice. He won't help them at all. Unless you're on the ice with these guys every single day, you're not going to make a difference on their team. It's just it, – it is what it is. I was on teams who had these guys, VP of hockey operations or head of player personnel. You never see them. They come to the games, they have a few beers, and they – Cast your paycheck and they're gone. That's how, that's how it works. Stevie Y, Nick Lidstrom, it's all for PR. It's all to get him in the building. Oh, look, we're bringing back everybody. Chris Draper's here. Kirk Mulpey's here. Nick Lidstrom's here. It's great. He's going to do nothing, Tim. Absolutely nothing. He's going to go. I don't know what his, uh, his poison is, whether it's beer, wine, or vodka, or some co- kind of booze. He's going to do nothing. Most cider will not get any influence from this guy at all. It'll be the assistant coaches that are still molding him. It'll be the players and coaches that he sees every single day. So it's all great. It's all window dressing. It doesn't, doesn't mean a thing. And I'm being honest with you. The only VP of Hockey Ops who ever did anything, well, I don't even think he was VP of Hockey Ops. In San Jose, Mike Ricci was there. And he was on the ice every day. And that was great. He was, you know, giving you tips on when to release the puck, how to take a puck, stick the, stick the tape or skate the stick and try to just quick little things. And he would work with you every single day. So that was great. There was no other team that had a guy who did that. Yeah, there was a Chicago. We had all these older guys hanging around. Minnesota, you had older guys hanging around. They didn't do a thing. They just collected a paycheck, had a couple beers at the game. Maybe they shook your hand after the game. You know, they're there for the team pitcher and that was it. That's what it would be for Nick Littstrom. You think he wants to lace up the skates every single day? and go on the ice with these young kids. Maybe if his life's miserable at home, I don't know. I don't know what his family life's like, but to me, that sounds terrible. Let's go and try to teach Mo cider how to angle somebody off. No, nah, I don't think so. I'll leave that to somebody else who I, I am way better than. So I don't know. It's v- very nice signing Detroit front page of the paper.
1: I'm such a oh, pessimist. It's you're such a downer. Come on.
0: I know, but it's the truth. It's the truth. He's going to do absolutely nothing in Detroit it's it's all like I said, window dressing. It's it's just for you know the outside looking in. Oh, it looks great. Nick Listrom's there, he's doing a great job, not doing anything. VP of hockey operations. He might as well be the senior advisor to the GM. It's a, it's a made up title, and he's gonna do absolutely nothing, and he's gonna make 250 grand. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. These guys,
1: I want that job. I want that job. I, just, I need that job too. Um, but not if I not if I win big though. On the gambling market. Are oh, you and you know are? you're
0: going to win big, Tim. You know that,
1: baby. Yeah. What, what are we laying down today? Come on, give it to so, us. So, I'm, I'm picking an underdog tonight. We got the Seattle Kraken. They No,
0: you're not picking the Kraken.
1: Yes. Listen. Oh, Tim. They had three games in a row canceled last week. On Monday, they only lost by one goal to Colorado. They gave them a great game. They have Dallas tonight. They have St. Louis tomorrow. And they have the Kings on Friday. All great playoff teams. There's no way they're going to lose four in a row. I get I nice nice. I picked them tonight over Dallas. They're the underdog. They're my they're plus 170 to win. I'm gonna put my money on that pick.
0: Damn, don't do it.
1: Yes. Don't do done it. Done deal. Done deal. Already done. It's already done. You Can't, might as well take Arizona
0: it. over Toronto too while you're at it and just parlay. No. And then take no. Montreal over Boston. There's two low-hanging fruits right in front of you. Toronto uh, and Boston. This easy. is uh, the lowest hanging fruit ever. It's almost touching the ground. And you're going to take bet, Seattle yeah, over
1: Dallas. Bet $10 to win 50 cents. Like, no, thank you. I don't, that does nothing. All right. I'm going to bet $50 and lose $50. <laughs> Tim. All right. All right.
0: You've, you've heard it from the horse's mouth, Seattle over Dallas. Huzzah! Take it for what it's worth in Dallas too. in Dallas. Yep. yep. They're, they're probably going to do yep, the yep, rookie yep, yep. party tonight. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That. Rookie parties, you do it in one of three or four cities. Dallas is one because there's no state tax. And when you rack up a ten dollars to $15,000 bill, you don't want to see a state tax taken off 6 to 8%. That's just like a ugh, knife. You do it in Tampa Bay and Florida, no state tax. And now that Vegas has entered the mix, I'm sure Vegas has, has kind of had a, their share of team parties. We should have a show on team parties. I've seen some stuff, Tim. All right, everybody. <laughs> I hope you have a good week. Hopefully next show, we can talk about Evander Kane. That'll be very exciting. We can break down how terrible of a signing the GM has made because I am the ever pessimist, and my wife hates it, and I know you guys love it because I love complaining about everything. Anything maybe, else you to touch on, Tim?
1: Maybe talk a little Evander, talk a little Oilers, talk a little Bruins, maybe dump on the Maple Leafs. You know, And Jack Eichel, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It'll be a different
0: show, I promise. I promise. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.
1: Delivered by DoorDash.